There's no better time to become a member of the DSR network. Later this month, we'll be announcing a major media partnership to our ever-expanding lineup of podcasts, bringing you even more insight and analysis than ever before. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the member-only Slack community, an evening newsletter recapping the day's top stories, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of October, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code SPOOKY at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code SPOOKY. Thank you very much for your support. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's that time of the week when we talk about developments in defense and defense technology that have us a little bit on edge. Today we're going to talk about some rumblings in Russia's nuclear program that you won't want to miss. I'm your host, David Rothkopf. I will not be here for most of this podcast, uh, but it will be in the able hands of my co-host, John Wolfstall. So, over to you, John. Well, thank you, uh, David, for that, and welcome to another episode of We're All Gonna Die Radio. Um, we obviously try to not take ourselves too seriously, but it's hard in these really challenging days um, to not be focused on really pressing issues and to try to dig a little bit deeper um, than you might get from the basic headlines or uh, doom scrolling. Uh, and we're really fortunate in our discussion today, which is going to focus on not the Middle East, but on our friends in uh, Russia and their potential interest in uh, returning to a world where nuclear weapons are tested, actually blown up and tested, um, to have two really uh, accomplished experts with insights on this, uh, Andre, uh, sorry, Andre uh, Baitlitsky and James Acton. Uh, Andre is uh, joining us from Unidir in Geneva. James helps direct the Carnegie uh, Endowments Nonproliferation Program. Both are colleagues and friends, uh, and I'm really excited to have you both here. So welcome. It's good to be here. Incidentally, John, we changed the name of our program to the Nuclear Policy Program about 10 years ago, but that's okay. You know, old, old habits die hard as the former deputy director of the Nuclear Policy Project. Uh, you know, it's uh, it'll always be what I what Joe and I made it, but you, you guys can ride our coattails. That's fine. Um I will also like to point out, um, as as a very vocal uh, critic of people who appear on mantles, uh, I am sorry we were unable to um, ensure diversity for today's discussion. I had reached out to three different uh, female experts, including one who has a lot of experience at the CTBTO, the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty Organization. She knows who she is, and she knows that she um, um, had to leave at the last minute. Um, but I, 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 we really do strive for diversity in our panels, and we will do better in the future. So. Um, let me start off, Andre, by asking you, for our listeners who are not complete nuclear geeks, um, what 
happened over the last couple of weeks? And what do we actually think Russia has done and is planning to do with regards to nuclear weapons testing? Well, in short, the president of the Russian Federation at some point made a remark saying that it would make sense to de-ratify the comprehensive test ban treaty Russia can signed and ratified in the early 2000s. But now, with the relationship with the U.S. at really low point, President Putin basically said, why haven't they ratified and we did, so let's unratify. Then the lower parliament, the lower house of Russian parliament, State Duma, acted very swiftly. They came together, they passed the law of de-ratification of the CTVD, uh, and then it goes to the upper chamber and then the president signs this, but basically there is no question about that happening. The law which they passed is basically amending the law from year 2000, I think. Uh, only the first paragraph of that law, which basically deratifies uh, everything else in that law, which was about the function of uh, CTBT stations on the Russian territory, and there are around 30 um, you know, engagement with CTBT and so on and so forth, that stays. So Russia is going to be a signatory, basically the same way U.S. or China are, not ratified, but, you know, a lot of countries have not ratified. So this is what, what actually happened. Then there is an open question if at some point following this, Russia would be interested in actually going and doing nuclear testing. Um, I don't think that's imminent. For one thing, Russia is still a signatory to the treaty. And then according to the Vienna Convention of Law of the Treaties, you cannot act against the purpose of the treaty. Uh, so had Russia really wanted to do this, I would imagine Russia would just design as well, or just leave the treaty altogether. Uh, the second point is President Putin several times on the record says that Russia will not be the first to test. If US does it, Russia will follow, but not before, uh, you know, uh, you can take it for what it was, but there is there is that as well. So uh, we know that there have been some refurbishing happening at the Nova Zemlya, the testing site, uh, which Russia previously used for nuclear testing in the far north. Um, we also know that definitely some non-nuclear testing has been happening there. Uh, we heard way vague statement from the U.S. government a couple of years back saying that Russia is probably doing some nuclear testing uh, with very, very, very low yields, such low yields that they cannot be really picked up by the existing um, systems. Uh, but we haven't heard much about it since we haven't seen any, any proof of it. So this is, this is where we are. Uh, Russia made a move. Uh, I don't expect any big nuclear testing anytime soon, but, you know, it's still an open and developing situation. So the sound that you might have heard in Washington, um, uh, in addition to concern, is also a bit of envy that uh, in uh, a relationship between a president and a legislature, uh, the president can say something on one day and uh, two days later get actual results. Um, so, of course, the U.S. Congress is not quite so efficient. But um, then again, our members of Congress don't fall out of windows as often as maybe some Russians do. Um, James, I want you to take a step back because most of our listeners weren't even alive probably when uh, the United States and the Soviet Union used to conduct nuclear tests and may not have background on why the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty 
is important and what it's done. So can you just give a little bit of context on what what the treaty is for and why people might be concerned if instead of trying to build it up, countries are moving away from it? Yeah. So, you know, the entire history of the nuclear age um, through to the early 1990s, um, states tested nuclear weapons to ensure that they worked, to understand the physics of nuclear weapons better, to understand the effects of nuclear weapons testing. Uh, I mean, some of these tests were kind of pretty extraordinary. There's one very, very famous photo of a U.S. airship partially deflated, lying in the desert in Nevada, because the U.S. decided to test a nuclear weapon against an airship. And guess what? The nuclear weapon won, which, you know, I think we could have predicted in advance. you know, most most nuclear te- uh, nuclear testing started above ground with pretty serious environmental consequences. Uh, it moved below ground, um, but a major uh, effort uh, in the early 1990s was to prohibit nuclear testing. Um, initially, states um, um, imposed unilateral moratoria. Um, I was. Um, uh, a last minute stand in for this program, so I didn't have a chance to check my history. But if I remember rightly, uh, the last US test was uh, the, uh, uh, the US moratorium was announced in 1994. Um, and then uh, that was at the same time as there were these international negotiations to prohibit all nuclear testing. Um, the CTBT, the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty, which just point blank prohibits nuclear testing, uh, was concluded in 1996. But it never entered into force because uh, there's this list of states that have to not just sign but ratify the treaty. Uh, and not all of those states have uh, signed. Uh, not all of those states have ratified. Uh, and now we have one fewer ratifier. Uh, we should be very clear that the United States uh, declined uh, the Senate in its infinite wisdom, uh, declined to provide advice and consent uh, to the president's uh, request for ratification. And so the US and Russia are now in the same position. They've signed but not ratified. Um, and what really worries me is that testing will lead to more testing. Uh, if either the US or Russia test first, uh, or if China tests first, I think it's very likely that, uh, you know, others amongst those three will test. Uh, if China tests, I think it becomes very likely that India tests. If India tests, it becomes very likely that Pakistan tests. North Korea will you will probably test anyway. Like, you know, let's be clear about that. <laughs> um, but, but if it needed an excuse, which it probably doesn't, it has one. Uh, it would reduce the barriers to future proliferators testing. Obviously, I'm mostly thinking about uh, Iran here, but perhaps not exclusively Iran. Um, um, so, you know, I think... We are moving, and I have to be very blunt here, I think we are moving to a world in which nuclear testing will resume again. Uh, And that is an action that will drive up international tensions. Um, um, And, uh, you know, I view it as a very unfortunate development. Uh, I agree with Andre, I should be clear, that I don't think the US or Russia are about to start testing imminently. But I, 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 you know, I, I feel it's pretty likely that we're moving to a world in which nuclear testing by states other than North Korea will resume in the next five to 10 years uh, and possibly a lot sooner than that. Uh, so James, it, it happens so rarely. I have to point it out. Uh, the U.S. moratorium on nuclear testing started in 1992. Um, I was actually working in Washington at the time when President Bush signed the, um, uh, the uh, legislation, uh, the Hatfield-Exxon-Mitchell 
amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, which actually authorized the United States to conduct up to six nuclear tests a year, um, but they decided not to. And then um, with the election of Bill Clinton, um, he began to pursue the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty um, uh, negotiation. Um, so, you know, James, I'm usually the doom and gloom guy, so I, I appreciate you taking some of the, the burden off of my shoulders. Um, you know, this idea of a world made safe for nuclear testing is not one I enjoyed the last time. I'm not really looking forward to um, its return. Um, but I think there's a question about, you know, to what end, right? I mean, I don't think anybody in the United States doubts that if Russia wanted to use a nuclear weapon, it would probably work. Um, the United States has conducted over a thousand nuclear tests. Russia's conducted, I think, upwards of 600 or 800 nuclear tests. Um, I'm sure James will know that and, and then N plus one me on that. Um, so, you know, it, I guess, Andre, the, I, you know, in the United States, in the technical community, there are people say, oh, if we could test nuclear weapons, we could do this and we can do that. But we have seen a lot of uh, increased emphasis in Russia on nuclear weapons, the development of new types, new forms of delivery. Is there a lot for Russia to gain should they decide to resume nuclear testing? Or is this really more of a posturing exercise or you know, it, it, we would just sort of call it a chest beating exercise because a lot of nuclear testing in the 50s to the 80s was all about we're bigger than you, we're stronger than you. I mean, how do you see the the motivations in Russia for a return to nuclear testing if there is one? Well, if I... Oh, was that a question to, to me or to... Okay, Paul. Uh, if I remember correctly, something like 700 nuclear tests in, in uh, Soviet Union. Yeah, no... Uh, you're right. It's not like there is a huge uh, need to, to, to start nuclear testing. I assume that's why we haven't seen return to testing, which is, I'm not sure the same for, as James was saying, for India and Pakistan, which only did, you know, in case of Pakistan, one test. And that's, that's pretty much it. So there are countries which need this information much more than Russia or the United States, which have these extensive records and supercomputers which can run models and what have you. And then, of course, when you talk to people who actually are doing those things, they would say, yeah, we wouldn't be against, you know, having testing because it's been 30 years and, you know, it's always good to have real-life experience, but then no, nobody is actively lobbying for resume, resumption of testing. Everybody would say that, yeah, we can continue going as, 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 we, as we've been going before. Nuclear test is a lot of things. Um, when we have this proverbial, you know, escalation ladder in mind, a nuclear test would definitely be somewhere there. It's not like when we start nuclear war, we start it out of the blue. There is some kind of escalation, and you would probably want to have a possibility to do a nuclear test in the mix, be it you know underground tests or maybe some even stronger things, uh, but, but that, of course, would be against the uh, Moscow Treaty, the uh, prohibition of testing in the atmosphere, but still. So th that's, again, one of the reasons I frankly don't believe that nuclear test is imminent, because no country would really want to lose this, you know, leverage, to lose this step on escalation ladder, because uh, when James was, you know, picturing this world when everybody's testing, that's not a big deal anymore, right? If you have 10 nuclear tests every month, then like, who cares? So you can only have resumption of nuclear testing once. 
And I would imagine that, you know, in case of Russia, even this would still be a big deal, which they would want to preserve for the time when they really need to do it. So it wouldn't be done just, just for the sake of doing it and just giving it up for, I don't know, proving that you are stronger and just without any context. I don't think that that's going to happen. But if we are in a crisis, if something going south, and if you really want to send the message that this is, you know, unacceptable, what have you, you can just go for, for nuclear testing. And that's why I think all of the countries are really investing in their testing sites so they would be ready in case you would want to do this. But again, I don't think it would be done without a very, very specific goal in mind. So, uh, Andre, I think you're missing the the real value of resuming above ground nuclear testing, which is if they're going to do a remake of Doctor Strangelove at the end, they need some new video of above ground testing. You know, the computer simulations are good, uh, but you just can't get the same feel from those grainy black and whites or from um, what a computer can do. So, um, you know, I think that recognizing the importance of the movie world uh, uh, to the future of the Russian economy, I think I think they're they're really going for it. it James, it, not many people in the United States know that there is a comprehensive test ban treaty. And so it's not clear to me that, um, you know, uh, Russia's uh, move to de-ratify, um, although that is a weird term, I still don't really know if it's a thing. Um, it, I want to put it in context. I mean, Russia is is not uh, known of late for being a huge supporter of preserving arms control treaties. Do you view this as being sort of a technically driven or a standalone, or do you view this in the context of just the broader um, problems that Russia is causing with regards to arms control, and as that's linked to the Russian war in Ukraine? Um, I mean, how do you view the the Russian move, and how should people think about it? Yeah, I mean, I suspect it's both technically and politically driven. I tend to think the political factors are probably more important than the technical factors. Um, you know, as US-Russia relations have got worse and worse, you know, let's be clear, because Russia invaded Ukraine, um, as, as US-Russia relations have got worse and worse, Russia has, um, you know, looked to destroy things in arms control the United States cares about. Um, so, you know, Russia um, is responsible, in my mind, for the collapse of New START. Uh, I'm not somebody that is, you know, believes the U.S. is blameless on various arms control issues, but I think the U.S. has been on the right side of New START and Russia has been on the wrong side of that. Um, so I think, you know, for many in Russia, there is political symbolism. If the United States wasn't going to ratify the CTBT, which I think was a big mistake of us not ratifying the treaty, um, then Russia didn't want to have ratified the treaty. Um, I guess I think testing, a resumption to testing is a bit more likely than Andre, because I think both the US and Russia see value, or let me be very careful here. There are people in the US, both the US and Russia, who see value in testing for general deterrence, not just in specific crises. So, you know, if the Ukraine war goes particularly badly for Russia, um, goes, I should say, even worse than it's currently going for Russia, you know, one could imagine Russia testing in the framework of this crisis as kind of like a escalation of the nuclear signal, but that would be related to this specific context. More generally, there's certainly people in the US and people in Russia 
who I think would love to resume testing as a way of showing how strong our nuclear weapons are, that we wouldn't be afraid of using them in the worst case scenario, right? Not tied to any particular crisis, but just to send out a general deterrence message. Um, and, you know, that's why I think those forces are ultimately going to get the upper hand in both countries. Um, and, you know, I've said jokingly that I think that people who support testing in the US uh, should probably lobby to rename the Nevada test site, the Vladimir uh, v. Putin test site, uh, which I think would be a very appropriate way for uh, them to honour him um, um, and uh, help, uh, uh, his role in uh, making the world safe for nuclear testing again. Um, it, you know, I'm sure there are a number of people in the American political system who are more willing to name things after Russian presidents than there were just a few years ago. But James, you know, if they're going to resume nuclear testing, it'll be the Ronald Reagan nuclear test site. It's just too great an opportunity to, to, to demonstrate that the bona fides there. Um, the, the, it's important to go back, I think, for, for a second, because I'm old and, and, and it's the only thing I have over on either James or Andre, because you're definitely both smarter than I am, um, but I've lived longer. Um, you know, the United States did lead the charge to negotiate the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty. Uh, we were living in a world where uh, we weren't uh, able to conduct nuclear tests. Uh, we then didn't, um, the Senate didn't ratify the treaty in large part because it came right in the middle of uh, the horrible scandal with Bill Clinton uh, and um, uh, uh, his... Um, uh, sexual relationship with Monica Lewinsky, and there was a bit of sort of comeuppance here, but the Senate pushing back against Clinton. Um, but it's, I think, also important to note that um, while the United States has conducted nuclear tests in a lot of different places, most people don't know we used to conduct nuclear tests in places like Mississippi or in Alaska. Uh, the nuclear test site for the United States is uh, in the Nevada desert. Uh, Nevada is a lot more politically important than it used to be. Uh, and Las Vegas has been one of the fastest growing cities in America for decades, which means it used to be about a three, two and a half hour drive from the outskirts of Las Vegas to the test site. And now you can see the lights from Las Vegas from the testing grounds. And so there's a big question, even if the United States felt the need to test again for technical or political reasons, where that would happen. And so, you know, it's not just a question of... Um, uh, will Russia test and will other countries test? But if the United States had to, do we have the capability to actually get that done? Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about how likely nuclear testing is, but this is the part of the program where we have to take a break. We say goodbye to our uh, free listeners. Um, if you're interested in this discussion or learning more about all the ways that we might die in a horrible cataclysm of nuclear radiation, um, if that's your thing, uh, then uh, or if you're interested in the other uh, excellent series of podcasts that are available from Deep State Radio. You can go to deepstateradio.com. You can pay $5 a month, uh, become a listener, get a lot of extra content, including uh, hearing about James and Andre uh, starring in the new Russian version of Dr. Strangelove. So uh, with that, we're going to take a break uh, and say goodbye to some of you, and uh, we'll continue the conversation in a second. Okay. Well, we've run out of time here. I want to thank John. I want to thank our guests. I want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, and I want to encourage you to come back each and every week, not just to this podcast, but to all of our podcasts, where each and every day we've got something new for you on developments in the world or developments in American politics that you need to hear about. So until then, bye-bye. <laughs>